Everybody said, Amen. Listen, thank you. Thank you, choir. Thank you, praise team. Our, our men's trio. Thank them. Formerly known as, still are now, I guess three plus one. Three of them and the Lord brings all that about. So we're happy to have them singing again. That's good. And you taking part in worship. It's just been a great time. Well, I hope you brought your Bibles with you today. If you have, turn to the book of uh, Philemon. The book of Philemon. Uh, toward the back, uh, find it right next to, um, I think it's right next to Timothy. Or, yeah, second, in the second Timothy, Philemon, just one chapter. And we want to look at uh, a couple of verses there and as we look at the book of Philemon. The book of Philemon. This past week, Judy and I, we went, went to a restaurant and over in Florence and the waitress came up to wait on us and I told her we were going to pray in just a few minutes and wanted to pray for her and ask her, did she, uh, did she have a request? And, and she said, I sure do. She said, my dad is going to have some stents, heart stents. And she said, we're not in a good relationship. We haven't spoken in a couple of years. And uh, I'd like for you to uh, pray for him. And I said, well, we'll... We'll pray for him. And I got to thinking about what she'd said. And I think a major problem that affects, uh, can affect all relationships, relationships at home between children and parents, perhaps relationships at school or on your job or extended family, uh, even in church. And uh, that problem is the lack of forgiveness. And so I want to share with you some thoughts this morning about forgiveness, forgiveness. Uh, I've been preaching for a number of years, and occasionally I have to leave the, the meat of the Word and go back to the milk of the Word, such as why we need to attend church and why we need to study the Bible and encourage people to pray and encourage people to serve and encourage people to give and encourage people to... Uh, to witness and all those Christian virtues we're to have anyway, but at times we're neglecting those and have to go back and touch base on those again. And one of those is forgiveness. Forgiveness. There's some things that Christians really should not have to be reminded to do, and forgiveness is one of them. Paul had the same situation with the, Corinth, the church at Corinth, and he said, I, I can't feed you with the meat of the word because you're still not able to bear it but I have to go back to the milk of the word and so there are some things that as believers that we shouldn't have to be reminded to do but we are reminded now, some things that we just do simply because we we know that's what God wants us to do and so if you've been a Christian for at least two years been attending church here you should know by now that God would have us as Christians to be willing to forgive, to forgive each other. And so for a Christian not to forgive really is nothing but just a direct disobedience to God. And so Jesus was asked on one occasion, you remember, he said, Lord, how many times do we forgive? And he said, 70 times 7. Well, he really wasn't talking about 490 times, and that's it. But what the point he was making was that there's no limit to forgiveness. 
So as many times as needed, it's endless. It's, it's a continuous practice. It's to be a continuous practice in our life is uh, that we forgive people. If we go around with our feelings on our shoulders all the time, we're going to get bumped into, and usually what's on the inside of us will splash out. And so it's very important that we're, we're quick to forgive. Why is that? Because God continues to forgive us. He doesn't limit his forgiveness to us. And so we need to be unlimited in our forgiveness. But the culture that we live in today, they don't see that. The culture, the culture says that it's, they, they, ha, they look at it in a different way. The culture says that you don't forgive. The culture says uh, you have a right to get even with people. The culture says you have a right to sue someone. Thought it was quite interesting when I was preparing this sermon that I found out that there are more students in law schools today than all other professions combined in colleges. So the culture says you ought to blame someone else for, your, for their responsibility and your responsibility. Make sure that they pay for what they've done to you. And so that's the way our culture looks at it today. So there's some personal consequences I want to share with you this morning if we refuse to forgive. So if you're taking notes, the first one would be unforgiveness will imprison you in your past. Unforgiveness will imprison you in your past. Unforgiveness, that meaning unforgiveness will shackle you in your past. It'll tie you down to your past. It'll keep your pain alive, whatever you're experiencing now, that someone brought against you through a deed or through a word, and you're hurting. Without forgiveness, unforgiveness will keep that pain alive. That, that unforgiveness will keep the sore open. It'll keep the wound from being healed if you continue not to forgive. Unforgiveness will just rob you of the joy of, li of, li of living. So the big question is, what good is that? To live a life in unforgiveness. To keep a wound open. To keep the pain going. What good is that? There's no good to that. And so one consequence of unforgiveness is that it will imprison you to your past or in your past. Secondly, I jotted down, unforgiveness always produces bitterness. Now, the longer you remember an offense that's done to you, the more you recite that offense to someone else, to a neighbor, or to a friend, or to a co-worker, to a relative, to a classmate, or to a fellow church member, the more you continue to recite that offense, the more that uh, your hurt occupies your thinking, the more you'll think about it the more you'll occupy the, the data. And the result will be the bitter you become. So the more you keep that in your mind and the more you recite it to others and the more you keep this fire burning, you become bitter. Bitter. This bitterness begins to affect your whole personality after a while. You become sarcastic. And you become condescending, and um, you have this negative disposition all of a sudden that 
can describe you. And quite honest, people really will avoid you when you become that way. And it's all about this negativism that you're portraying. It becomes, it becomes more than sin. It becomes an infection in your life when you refuse to forgive. All of a sudden, you become angry, bitter and angry and resentful to the point that your old self, the flesh, your old self begins to regain control of you and, and, and you don't lead anymore, you're not led anymore by the Holy Spirit of God. You just start making stupid decisions on your own and can't figure out why things aren't going right for you. You lead primarily by self and not by the Spirit. I see this a lot of time in marriages. When two Christians marry one another, there should never be a separation. When two Christians, now notice, when two Christians marry each other, there should never be a separation. When two Christians marry each other, there should never be a divorce. They should always have a happy relationship. When I got married, I married a sinner. And uh, when Judy married me, she married a sinner. And the point is, that makes it impossible for us not to offend one another. We're both sinners. We're all sinners. And from time to time, Judy will offend me and I will offend her. But when, when there's no forgiveness, then there's bitterness and there's resentment and then there's anger. And then that affection that we had for each other is cut off. And then you start looking for a way to get it back or to get out. And if you'll notice, it all goes back to forgiveness. However, forgiveness replaces that resentfulness and anger. Forgiveness replaces all of that with the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and goodness and temperance and meekness and mercy, and there's no law against that. So unforgiveness will imprison you. Unforgiveness will produce bitterness in your life. And then unforgiveness will give Satan an open door in your life. It's what God's Word says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10. I'm going to read 10 and 11. Listen. Now whom you forgive anything, I also forgive. For if indeed I have forgiven anything, I have forgiven that one for your sakes in the presence of Christ. Then he says in verse 11, lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. So the moment that you choose not to forgive, then you open the door for Satan to come into your life. The devil moves in. You put it this way, the devil moves in an unforgiving heart. And so if, if you have an unforgiving heart this morning, and you know of someone you should forgive, and you haven't forgiven them, then you are being used as a tool of the devil. Be careful. Most of the ground that Satan gains in our life is due to unforgiveness. 
Unforgiveness will produce bitterness, but it also gives Satan an open door to come into your life. Number four, let me give you this one. Number four, unforgiveness hinders your fellowship with God. Unforgiveness hinders your fellowship with God. If I'm not right with you, then I'm not right with God. Vice versa. If you're not right with me, then you're not right with God. If I'm not right with you, I'm not right with God. If I'm not right with God, I'm not right with you. So unforgiveness hinders our fellowship with God. Now, why would I not want to be right with God? Why would you not want to be right with God? Why would I want to miss all the maximum blessings that God has for me just because I won't forgive? Would it not be stupid of me not to forgive someone knowing that I'm going to miss the blessings of God? And that's what happens. So if you refuse to forgive as a Christian, you're shackled to your past, you become bitter, you give Satan an open door, and it hinders your fellowship with God. Now the second point I want to share with you just for a moment about the book of Philemon. Uh, Philemon is um, only one chapter I mentioned. It only has uh, 25 verses. But it tells how uh, it's our spiritual duty as Christians to forgive. It's a, it's a book, one chapter, 25 verses about forgiveness. And the background is about a person by the name of Philemon. And Philemon lived in uh, Colossae. And his wife was Alpha. His son was Archippus. And the house that they lived in was an open house for their church when they came to worship. The church met in Philemon's house. But Philemon had a slave, and his name was Onesimus, had this slave. And Philemon, he was a good master, but Onesimus wanted his freedom, and so one day he ran away from Philemon. But not only did he run away, but he took some things with him took some things that belonged to Philemon. And he runs away, and he runs to Rome. And when he gets to Rome, he's kind of like a street person. He just lives on the street as a runaway slave. Then all, all of a sudden, one day, he was listening to a man preach. This man was preaching. His name was Paul. And Paul was preaching, and Paul leads Onesimus to the Lord. So Onesimus gets, he gets saved. Then Paul finds out in talking with Onesimus that his master is Philemon. And so he sends Onesimus back to Philemon with this, with this book, with this one letter, 25 verses. And he asks Onesimus to take the book, take this to Philemon. And that was his instructions to Onesimus. And um, Paul is asking Philemon to, in this letter, he's asking uh, Philemon to forgive uh, a person, Onesimus, who had already done his part. Onesimus uh, had been saved. and He had repented of what he had done. And, and uh, Onesimus had already done his part. So Paul, in a slight way, is, is asking Philemon to do his part. Take him back, forgive him. So it's a letter about forgiveness. And so God had done his work in Onesimus, and now it's time for Philemon to do his, God to do his work in Philemon. So pick up at verse 4, if you will, and let's look at this just for a moment. Verse 4, Philemon, 
says, Paul says, I thank my God making mention of you always in my prayer. Hearing of your love and faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints. That the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by your brother. Now what's he saying in all of this? First of all, verse 4, Paul says, every time, every time I pray for you, I thank God for you. Isn't that something? Every time I pray for you, Paul says, I thank God for you. Every time I pray, every time I pray, be, be I thank God for you. That's what he's saying. Every time, Denver, I pray, I thank God for you. And every time, Karina, I pray, I thank God for you. And so, it's like the Holy Spirit. Every time Paul prayed, he put Anisima, he put Philemon right there in front of him to thank God for him. Every time I pray, he said, I thank God for you. Do people thank God for you when they pray? Do they, do they just thank God for you? God just puts you, puts me, puts someone else in front of you when you pray. Look at verse 5, Philemon. He says, hearing of your love and faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints. Meaning, he, he says, hearing, and that word hearing in the Greek, it's a continuing hearing. All I hear from people is your relationship with the Lord and his work. Continually hear good things about you. I continually, Philemon, I continually to hear good things about you. Good things about your, they're all positive things. Things about your theology, things about your wife, things about your son, things about your marriage. Everything is good. Everything he heard made him say, I thank God for Philemon. Verse 5. Hearing of your love and your faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. Now, the first thing that I hear, he says, is about you, about you is that you have a true faith in the Lord Jesus. I know I, can, I, I know I can ask you, in essence, I know I can ask you to forgive Onesimus because I know you're concerned about the Lord. I know I can ask you to forgive Onesimus because you're a Christian. You've been taught by the Lord to forgive. And I know you'll forgive Onesimus. You have a true faith in the Lord Jesus. Philemon, you are a genuine Christian. You're for real. There's nothing fake about you. You have a concern for the Lord. And because of all of that, you have the ability to forgive. That's what verse 5 says. You can forgive him, Philemon. Now, I want you to look at the contrast. So what we're doing, we're looking at this Christian, Philemon, and then let me share with you about the non-Christian. Romans chapter 3, verse 10. As it is written, now this is a non-Christian, there is none righteous, no, not one. There's none who understands. There's none who seeks after God. They've all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There's none who does good. No, not one. Their throat is an open tomb. 
With their tongues they have practiced deceit. The poison of asp is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness, and they are, their feet are swift to shed blood. In other words, they'll kill you, they'll murder you if they get a chance to. So you have, you have a comparison between Philemon, a person who, is, who, who considers the Lord Jesus, who has faith and loves the Lord Jesus, and then someone that doesn't. The contrast. However, those who are reconciled by the blood of Jesus forgives. They forgive. No matter what people have done, they forgive. They forgive. So a forgiving person, first of all, if you're taking notes, a forgiving person in point three, spiritual characteristics of a believer who forgives. A forgiving person is someone who is saved. Someone who is saved. A true believer. Underline true. Draw a circle around it. A true believer. A true believer forgives. A few years ago, we, we did a complete study, eight or ten weeks on forgiveness, and we had a funeral where we buried our forgiveness right out there in the cemetery, our unforgiveness. Sorry. And we found out in that study that a Christian forgives. Forgives. A non-Christian don't forgive. And so we're to forgive if we have the concern and the love and the faith that we say we have in Christ Jesus. But secondly, a characteristic of a forgiving person is that they have a concern for the saints. Notice what he said in verse 5. I'll read it. Hearing of your love and faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and then toward all saints. You love people. You love the church. You love the fellowship. Paul says you have this agape love for the saints, Philemon. 1 John 3, verse 14. Listen to what he says. He says, we know that we've passed from death to life. You want to know if you're going to heaven or not? Here's one way. Because we love the brethren. And he who does not love the brethren, he who does not love his brother, abides in death. Do you forgive? He said, this is one way we know, that we, can, we, we know that we've passed from death to life because we love the brethren. And Paul says to, to Philemon, he says, listen, uh, you love the saints. And if you've been born again, you're going to love the brethren. Also notice, if you, if you are a Christian, if you're a believer, you love the fellowship, you love people in the church. You love, quote, church family, if you're a believer. And do what you can to, to seek forgiveness and make reconciliation. Verse 5, he says, you love the saints. The point is, your faith pursues fellowship. If you have true biblical faith, you'll love not only the Lord, but the fellowship, the saints. If you're a Christian, you'll care about the fellowship of the saints. You, you forgive because you're concerned about the family of God. And so you forgive because you're Christian. You, you forgive because you're concerned about the saints. Number three, a forgiven person is concerned about knowledge. I'm going to close with this. Verse 6. Listen to what he says, Philemon. Uh, verse 6. 
that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. You see, when you, when you and I became a Christian, God puts good things in us. When you were saved, God put good things in you. Now, the question I ask in studying is, how, how do I know about the good things God put in me? Is somebody going to come tell me about the good things God's put in me? Uh, am I going to read it somewhere? I haven't been able to find it yet about good things that God's put in me. And the reason I haven't been able to find it, what I've discovered is, I don't have someone to tell me, and I don't read about those good things, but I experience those good things. And he's saying, Philemon, if you'll forgive this guy, Onesimus, you'll experience the good thing in your life called forgiveness. When's the last time you experienced that? Where you forgave someone and experienced the good thing that God had put in you known as forgiveness. But until you forgive, I so say, you, you don't read, I mean, you, you can read about forgiveness, you can study about forgiveness, and you can go to seminars about forgiveness, and you can hear sermons like today about forgiveness, but until you forgive, you'll never understand what forgiveness is really like and how good that thing is that's in you known as forgiveness. And when you do, then you'll have the knowledge of forgiveness. You'll have that understanding that sharing of your faith may become affected by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you, in Christ Jesus. So if you really want to know the blessings of forgiveness, just forgive. Just forgive. And number four, a forgiving person forgives for Christ's sake. Verse 7 through 9. For for we have great joy and consolation in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. I forgive because of Christ's sake. I forgive because of Christ's sake. Philemon, you forgive because of Christ. You forgive because of Him. The point is, if you want to honor Christ, through your forgiving, then you'll forgive as Christ forgives. If you want to honor Christ, then you forgive because Christ forgives you. So you have the consequence. Unforgiveness will imprison you of the past. Unforgiveness will produce bitterness. Unforgiveness will give Satan an open door. Unforgiveness will hinder your fellowship with God. The true believer forgives. The forgiving person has a concern for the saints. The forgiving person is concerned about knowledge. And for the forgiving person forgives for Christ's sake. Let's have prayer together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for an opportunity we've had just to come together and worship you. And what a worship service it was, Lord. I could sense your presence here and... And we had such a good time. And now we've opened your word and dealt with a topic, Lord, that for oftentimes we just neglect. But Lord, just like the other Christian virtues that we're to have in our life, Lord, forgiveness is up there.
it's up there. It's in the mix and perhaps the most important one. And Lord, I pray that you'll forgive me, forgive me when I fail to forgive. Lord, help us to be able to say, Lord, forgive me my transgresses, transgressions as I forgive those who transgress against me. And so, Father, help me to be able to do that. And I can do that. You've empowered me to do that. When I got saved, you put that gift in my life, Lord, and I can experience the gift of forgiveness when I practice that. And, Lord, when I don't, it just eats away and it just makes something terrible out of me. And, God, I pray that you'll always remind me of the time, the need, the person to forgive. Be with us, I pray, Lord, today as we conclude this service with your invitation. People will come to you today, Lord, and experience total forgiveness that you offer, Lord, and the gift of eternal life as they receive you into their life. Thank you for what you're going to do in this invitation time. In Jesus' name, amen.